Welcome back to Feed the Post. I am your host, Joe Jackson, and we are basically back. Big Ten basketball does start in just a couple days. And what are we going to do today is just kind of go through the week. I'm going to go through kind of the games that I think will be uh, more fun to watch. Obviously, there's a ton of buy games sprinkled throughout, but there's still some good matchups and some quality matchups throughout. There's 59 Big Ten games being played next week from Monday to Sunday between the men and women's side. Tons and tons of basketball. We are officially back. It feels good. Um, and yeah, so I just, before we get into that, and then also I'm going to do my Big Ten award predictions at the end of this. Just going to kind of throw it out there. Like, I'm not quite sure what I want to do with the podcast. I have been posting on here the audio of a lot of my YouTube videos. If you aren't subscribed to my YouTube, definitely go check that out at Feed the Post. Lots of Big Ten basketball content, pretty much team previews, all that stuff. Yeah, team previews. Brand new newcomers, uh, like the freshmen and transfers, if you want breakdowns on them, some sort of just like previews for the whole year in general, um, definitely go check that out if you want to catch up on that before the season starts. I think I want to leave this podcast in general right now as just almost like a place where I can just kind of let off my thoughts. I think YouTube's going to be more video structured, obviously. If I have guests on for like a podcast, that'll be on audio and YouTube. But I think I want to leave this podcast as just like a way where I can kind of cruise through the schedule, see what I'm excited about, talk about different things that maybe aren't as coherent or well thought out, but just a way for me to talk hoops. So yeah, just going to be a different way for me to interact. Obviously on my Twitter, I do all the basketball threads. You can follow me at Joe Jackson CBB, but um, yeah, just kind of wanted to give a heads up to everybody. And now we can actually get into it. The weekly schedule, which I'll go through first, followed by my preseason big 10 award prediction. So The first day, November 6th, there are 17 games being played in the Big Ten. A couple that I'm going to highlight, probably the game of the day, one of arguably going to be the best game in college basketball, period. The Ohio State women's team takes on USC at 2 o'clock Eastern time. That is in Vegas, I believe. Um, Just a strong neutral matchup. Both top 20 teams. Like It should be a really, really fun one. Uh, I'm very much excited. It's in the middle of the day. If you can throw it on while you're working or whatever. Highly, highly recommend. I think it's going to be a super fun game. The season does get kicked off at 11 a.m. Eastern. The Nebraska uh, women's team takes on Northwestern State. So there's going to be hoops all day from 11 to, what does it go, 10, 11, 11 a.m. to 11 p.m. we'll roughly call it. Um, Purdue women's also takes on UCLA. UCLA is a top three team. Purdue women's team is kind of um, on the up and up. They made the first four last year in the tournament. They've added some really good players. Brought back some key pieces, so that should be fun. Uh, Rutgers takes on Princeton on the men's side at 7. That rivalry is kind of being renewed. Opening day, there's not much more you can ask for there. Um, And then the rest are more just kind of buy games types. Maryland women's takes on Harvard, which could be decent. Purdue men's takes on Sanford, and Sanford's probably the best uh, team that the best team out of like a lower division that anybody will play on that opening day. That's at six 30. And then if you just want to catch MSU, they take on James Madison at eight 30. Um, so those will be some of the games I'm tuned into that Monday, probably thread. I probably will try to thread like three or four of them between that day and the next day. So then Tuesday, November 7th, there are seven games and I can just read them off here. Um, IU men takes on Florida Gulf Coast at 6.30. Iowa men takes on North Dakota at 8. Maryland men takes on Mount St. Mary's at 7. The Michigan men take on 
UNC Asheville at 8.30. And then on the women's side, Illinois takes on Moorhead State at 7. Penn State takes on Bucknell at 6.30. Wisconsin takes on Milwaukee at 7.30. Not really any standout key games there. My schedule personally will probably be uh, watch IU men versus Florida Gulf Coast and then followed up with Michigan against UNC Asheville. Those are just two teams that I'm really interested in what they end up doing. So just getting a good look there. Um, Wednesday, there's only two games, both on the women's side. Michigan State takes on Oakland. Minnesota takes on Long Island. Minnesota will be looking kind of just to bounce back this year. Um, they return their two like lead guards who both played a ton of minutes as freshmen. Michigan State has kind of been middling. Uh, they've had a couple solid years. They're, they've, they haven't been bad by any means, but they, they've had a good year or two. And then just kind of, I think they were right at 500 last year. So had a good you know first look at them. That's at 6.30, 8.30, so you can watch both of those. Thursday, November 9th, seven games again. MSU, on the men's side, MSU takes on Southern Indiana, and Nebraska takes on Florida A&M. Um, not too interested in either of those games. I'll probably catch a little bit of Nebraska because I don't know if I'll catch their opening day game against Lindenwood on Monday. On the women's side, IU takes on Eastern Illinois. Iowa takes on Virginia Tech. Northwestern takes on University of Illinois, Chicago. Rutgers takes on Wagner and Wisconsin takes on Western Illinois. The game I will for sure be tuned into that day is Iowa versus Virginia Tech. A neutral site game there. I forget exactly where it's at off the top of my head, but that'll be the game I'm definitely tuned into. Potentially catch some of the IU game against Eastern Illinois. IU women's team is going to be you know one of the best teams in the Big Ten once again. So Probably catch my catch there a little bit. Maybe just catch highlights the rest of the way. Friday, November tenth, there are thirteen games. Uh, Illinois on the men's side. Illinois takes on Oakland. Iowa takes on Alabama State. Maryland takes on Davidson. Michigan takes on Youngstown State. Minnesota takes on UTSA. Ohio State takes on Texas A&M. Northwestern takes on Dayton. Penn State takes on Lehigh. Purdue takes on Moorhead State, and Rutgers takes on Boston. So ten of those games are on the men's side of the thirteen. Um, out of the men's game, there I'll probably the one I'll tune into uh, is Maryland versus Davidson, uh, and then also Purdue versus Moorhead State. For anybody who knows, I do Purdue coverage also, so I will obviously be tuned into that one. Ohio State versus Texas A and M are those are probably the th the three games I listed: the Purdue versus Moorhead State, Ohio State versus Texas A and M, and Maryland versus Davidson. Those are probably going to be the three games I watch from that day for sure on the men's side. Oh, and I skipped one: uh, Wisconsin takes on Tennessee. That's actually the game of the day. My bad. I have my list here just kind of glossed over them but wisconsin takes on tennessee at nine o'clock that'll without a doubt be the game of the day and that'll be the game i tune into like i 100 percent make sure i watch so there's actually 11 games on the men's side um that's at nine o'clock though so you can catch any of those either like any of the other games earlier and then turn on wisconsin tennessee at nine all these times that i'm saying are eastern time um there's actually there's there really is that friday is not going to be bad as i keep kind of scrolling through like Ohio State versus Texas A&M, solid. Wisconsin versus Tennessee, very good. Maryland versus Davidson, solid. Uh, Northwestern versus Dayton can be decent, solid maybe. Um, and then on the women's side, Nebraska takes on Wyoming and Penn State takes on Navy. The Penn State Navy games at five, so I might catch some of that if I can. Um, but we're probably going to be focused more on the men's side for that just because there are, like I said, four or five really good games. Saturday, there is only one game. So for me personally, I'm going to be catching up on a lot of the Friday games on Saturday. But the one Saturday game is going to be a very, very good one. The Illinois women's team plays at Marquette at 3 o'clock. Um, you know, Illinois, Marquette, they play the men and women's on different days. But that one should be fun. We'll be tuned into that without a doubt. 
And so that leads uh, to Sunday, which will be 12 games, more on the women's side, on the but on the men's side, there are three, IU versus Army, Maryland versus Ash, or, um Maryland will play somebody in the second round of the Asheville tourney. Rutgers will play Bryant. They'll take on either Clemson or UAB, Maryland will, on that day. So either of those should be solid matchups. Rutgers takes on Bryant. But the real attraction, attraction on Sunday is the women's side. There are going to be a couple really, really good games. Headlined by IU at Stanford at 5 o'clock. A true like road game. First week, two top like 10, 15 teams. Um, Stanford's going to be really, really good. IU's going to be really, really good. That's probably the game. That might be the game of the week, just in general. Um, I think when I started, I said Ohio State versus USC, but it's probably IU at Stanford on the women's side. Like That's just going to be such a good game. Maryland also takes on South Carolina, another game that's going to feature two really good teams. To finish it out, there's uh, Iowa's at, plays at Northern Iowa on the women's side. Michigan State plays Wright State. Minnesota takes on Chicago State. Ohio State takes on IUPUI. Northwestern versus Omaha, Purdue versus Southern, and Rutgers versus Auburn. Um, if Rutgers versus Auburn wasn't at the same time as IU at Stanford, then I would maybe catch that. I'll probably try to rewatch that one a little bit. Um, but yeah, like I said, there's there's tons of good hoops this week. Uh, maybe not tons, but there are. You can pick your spots, and there are definitely some good games. Like I said, the IU at Stanford, Maryland at South Carolina on the women's side on Sunday, November twelfth. Those are two of the key games. Ohio State women's takes on USC opening day at 2 o'clock. We'll definitely be tuned into that. Uh, and then the other games that kind of catch my eye are Rutgers versus Princeton opening day. On that Friday, Maryland versus Davidson, Wisconsin versus Tennessee. Um, and then Thursday, probably Iowa versus Virginia Tech. And those are probably some the top seven, eight games, however many I just listed, that I will definitely either watch live or uh, tune into later and kind of rewatch. I would expect if however many games I do thread my goal, um, just throw this out there. My goal is to average one a day. So that doesn't mean that there will be one every day. Some days there might be zero. Maybe some days there's two, three, just kind of depending on the day and my schedule and things like that. But yeah, good. Should be really, really good hoops. I'm excited. It's going to definitely be some not good games in there. There's going to be some 30, 40 point blowouts. That's just how it is the first week of, of college basketball. Um, but yeah, excited for all of that. Excited to dive into the women's side too this year. I wanted to start doing more coverage of them. I didn't do a ton of coverage on them preseason just because I am learning more and more. Uh, I am one who I'm not good at just kind of making stuff up on the fly. And I want to be as well researched as possible. And so for me, just going to be watching a lot of women's hoops. And then I'll feel more and more comfortable to kind of actually analyze, actually talk about more in depth. Um, but expect that from me this year, especially on the podcast like this, where I can kind of just ramble and do whatever I want. We're already about 11 minutes in or something like that. Uh, yeah, should be good. We can kind of get to some of the preseason Big Ten awards. And let me tell you, this was tough. Uh, we're going to do all transfer team, all freshman team, all defense team, Big Ten first, second, and third team, then player of the year, defense player of the year, transfer of the year, freshman of the year, and coach of the year. There was a few, um, specifically like the defense, uh, that last spot had me in a headlock. The Big Ten 13, that last spot was pretty tough for me to decide. Um, yeah, it's it's going to be a fun year. I am excited to see where exactly things go. Uh, I don't expect to be fully right. I expect to be pretty wrong. I think the first team is pretty um, unanimous across most boards. There's probably one spot that's kind of open but the rest seems pretty unlocked. And then a few players that are for sure second team. And then from there, it's just kind of who you really think is going to play well. 
Um, so we can just kind of get into it. Like I, these podcasts aren't going to probably be crazy, crazy long. As we go, I'll probably recap the week before and then do like preview the next week. Obviously, there's no week to recap. I guess some exhibitions and things like that. But if you want recaps on the good exhibitions, just go to my uh, Twitter at Joe Jackson CBB and I have threads there. With that being said, let's get to the all transfer team. Uh, we'll start from like bottom to top. So the first person I name is who's like the last one to make the list. And the top one is who I think is like the best in that area. So we're starting with Jameson Battle transfers from Minnesota to Ohio State. I like the role for him better this year. I'm curious that they seem like they might be playing him with the three. I That kind of surprises me. I thought he'd slot in pretty well as the four there. And then they could, you know, they if they wanted to, they could surround more defense with him in Roddy Gale and Scotty Mills and Felix Akpara um, and, and let Battle be either the number one or number two scoring option with Bruce Thornton. And I think that would be a better mesh. Either way, you know, Battle has shown that he can score the ball. He's... I think, what is he? He made an all Big Ten team like two years ago. Last year, Minnesota was a disaster and didn't happen. Uh, next is Kalel Ware transfers from Oregon to Indiana. I just believe in the defense more than anything. And I think he will be a guy that can average a couple blocks a game, can really make his impact on that end. Obviously, the motor is still the biggest concern. Um, and then the other one is just how does everybody fit on Indiana? I think my stance, we'll get into... Uh, I'm also going to throw in my power rankings at the end of this. I forgot to mention that. We'll get into Indiana there, but just the fit of the roster will be interesting. But I think the defense holds them. Ace Baldwin Jr.'s third transfers from VCU to Penn State follows Mike Rhodes. Um, he was deep player of the year, defense player of the year in the Big Ten last year. Really just skilled player. Who knows exactly what Penn State will be? I think they won't be terrible. Uh, still towards at the bottom of the big, like near the bottom of the Big Ten, but. Baldwin's going to put up stats, I think, and contribute really well on both ends. Number two, and I, I was close to putting him one, but I think he'll have a little bit less of a role than who I've won, and that is Marcus Domask from Illinois. Transfers from Southern Illinois to Illinois. I'm bought in on what he can do. He seems like he's going to be the backup point guard behind Ty Rogers. I love it. And that was kind of my thought. Maybe not full backup point guard, but looking at the roster, I was like, oh, this is a team that has multiple pieces that can facilitate now. And Damask definitely fits that role. When he's with Rodgers, he's playing more of like the three. He could be the four. Just super versatile, can shoot pretty well, can create. I'm excited to see what he does. And number one for this is Olivier Nakamwa, transfers from Tennessee to Michigan. He's probably the one that you can, maybe aside from like Ace Baldwin, I guess. Um, but Michigan should be better than Penn State. Olivier Nakamwa, is the one you could argue like will have probably the biggest role on the best, the biggest role on a, at least a decent team in the Big Ten out of the transfers. Everybody knows what he could do at Tennessee. Solid defender, you know, loves his kind of mid post. Is pretty physical, finishes well at the rim, so he'll be a good fit there. The all freshman team fifth for me is Scotty Middleton of Ohio State. I am, I wouldn't be shocked if he starts eventually. Just this three and D wing that Ohio State needs, somebody that can play off ball catch and shoot, and then also just defend really, really well. Uh, next is Cohen Carr of Michigan State, and he might be – I wouldn't be shocked if he's running more as like the number one or number two on the freshman team towards the end of the year. This the I, He fits so well with what they need. They need somebody that can attack the rim, and Cohen Carr can do that in abundance. The highlight dunks have already been shown. Um, this is a really good fit. 
Does he develop a three-point shot? I have no idea. He didn't really shoot it much in high school. Um, what exactly does the defense look like if when he's on the perimeter more? Again, time will tell. Uh, number three is Mackenzie McBacco. I'm just concerned with the reason, the, the reason he's not like number one or two. I'm just concerned with the fit and usage. I think there's a scenario where he is, you know, behind even if things depending on how things break like he could be the fourth option of the starting lineup um and be more of just an off-ball kind of catch and shoot guy i don't expect that to happen i'm also concerned a little bit about the defense and what he has to do defending threes number two on this list is gavin griffiths from Rutgers, uh, another three and d dude he's probably one of the best shooters in the class in my opinion always on balance and he's just a guy that Rutgers exact like just needed so much um off-ball shooter can create a little bit for himself, but just helps space the floor. He's lanky. The defense heel, I think, will take a little bit of time to fit in. But and then the rec, my you know freshman of the year will be Deshaun Harris Smith from Maryland. I think he's going to have the biggest role on a really good team. Not he, he's going to have the biggest role out of freshman. I mean, on a really good team in Maryland. Um, just an insane driver. The physicality is without a doubt there and ready for the Big Ten. Excited to see what he does. All defense team. Um, Halal wears fifth for me. And he was the one that I was, it was between him and a couple others. I kind of already mentioned this. I just believe that he's going to make a big defensive impact and it's just, it's going to be hard to keep him off. Fourth is Jaden Akins. Now I think there's at least one Michigan state guard is going to make it, whether it be Hogard, Akins or Walker. I went with Akins cause I think he's the most versatile. Like he will defend threes. He can defend points and twos. He has probably the most active hands out of those three, in my opinion. And I think he's I think he's gonna be the best perimeter defender out of them out of a really, really good defensive perimeter trio. So when Jade Aikens there. Number three is Coleman Hawkins. I think he's the most versatile defender in the Big Ten. He's averaged over assist and or averaged over a steal and block a game last year for Illinois. He's gonna be playing more at the five, so post defense will be kind of the thing to watch for me, but he can in a pinch switch one through five if needed i trust him on the perimeter i trust him protecting the rim like i just i think there's really nobody that can do everything that coleman hawkins does on the defensive end number two cliff amori uh, i don't know if there's a ton that needs to be said just a monster protecting the rim i think there's gonna be a little bit more pressure on him this year to really anchor losing mcconnell mulcahy like the uh, backcourt's gonna be a lot smaller and i think they're still good defenders but there's going to be less physicality potentially on the perimeter, less size, and that may put more pressure on Amori. Defensive player of the year, Zach Eady, um, just really did a good, like he just, Purdue's defense is so much better with him on the floor. It's insane. The kind of style that they play of forcing a lot of mid-ranges, Eady absolutely anchors. He is just the complete backbone of that defensive roster. Um there's, you know, I think Purdue has some decent perimeter defenders, but there's a, you know, there's, I don't know if there's like an elite perimeter defender that you'd say, like everything is put on what Zach Eady does. Teams are absolutely scared to go at the rim out when he's on the floor. They shoot like 10% more of their shots when he's off the floor at the rim than when he's on. Uh, the block rate went down some, but he still, he averaged almost two blocks last year or something like that. I don't remember off the top of my head. Uh, stayed out of foul trouble, which is big too at his size. Like, and the thing is, is he gets kind of clowned, I think, for like his perimeter defense, and I think it's just wrong. 
there's going to be times that he gets cooked on the perimeter this year. It just is what it is. But more often than not, I really think like, because what happens is guards get him to switch on the perimeter to onto them. And then it just becomes an isolation. And they're like, oh, I can just drive past the seven for four, dude. But Edie just can't get, if Edie gets like two steps beat, then maybe it's an issue. But even if he's just like beat by one step, uh, he's so long, obviously at seven, four and like a seven, 10 wingspan that he can still just contest at the rim. Uh, so that's why he's he's defense player of the year for me. Um, with that being said, you know, I like I said, I was already I was going backwards. So Cliff Amore was two in the depoy race for me and Coleman Hawkins three freshman of the year. Harris Smith one, um, Griffiths two, and Mackenzie McBacco three. Now we are on to the Big Ten teams. I'm gonna start third team, and then I'm gonna work my way backwards again. So. Like the first person I name is kind of the last person that made that list for me. And yeah, so we'll start with uh, this was there was between the, the guy I'm about to name and then probably like Jaden Akins and maybe Kalel Ware. But I did slide Kase Tomonaga there. If he can be if he can average 17 a game. I think it becomes hard to leave him off or to keep him off. Um, even if he really doesn't contribute much else, he doesn't rebound. He doesn't pass. The defense is whatever, um, but he's electric. The three point shooting is insane. The shot making is insane. If he can, if he can average 17 ish a game, 17, 18, then he slides in there, but he's the one I'm definitely least confident in making this list. Next is Deshaun Harris Smith. Uh, we already mentioned him for my freshman of the year. Just I think the work, the usage is going to be there. Even if he's the third option on the team, uh, there, if you look back, usually the freshman of the year makes one of these teams, and I think he will be. And I think it'll be pretty uh, decisive in that, so I, I slid him in there. Third is Olivier Nakamwa. He's my transfer of the year, but he also makes the third Big Ten third team for me. Big role on a team that shouldn't be terrible at minimum and could be solid to maybe even good. Uh, I think he'll be super important on both ends of the floor. I think he comes through there. Next is Dawson Garcia of Minnesota, and I don't think Minnesota will be very good, but I think Dawson Garcia is talented. I think he puts up very good numbers and is just another one that it's tough to leave off if he's averaging like 16 points and, you know, eight rebounds a game or something like that. The last person on my Big Ten third team is Braden Smith, the point guard from Purdue. I think he's going to have a really, really good year um, and be kind of solidify him as like the fourth best or fifth fourth or fifth best point guard in the Big Ten. I wouldn't be shocked if he sneaks into this Big Ten second team. I think the thing that holds him back, will potentially hold him back there, is just how dominant Zach Eadie is, um, and it might take away from what Braden does. Moving on to the Big Ten second team, starting with Ace Baldwin. Kind of already gone through it. He's going to be really, really good on both ends. He's going to have a pretty high usage. I just think, I think he's ready for the Big Ten. Like I don't expect him to struggle at all um, individually guy that's going to put up stats and he's the reason I have him over maybe like Kese or Dawson Garcia is I think he does I think he's going to be much better on both ends of the floor uh, and, and that is something I do want to take into account because defense is important next is Julian Reese from Maryland I think he just takes another big jump uh, solidifies himself as the third best big man in the Big Ten maybe even second depending on how things work uh, interested to see if there's a shot that develops there's also some talk of him playing the four I don't know how that'll work, but if it does, I'll be I'll be interested to watch. Uh, next is AJ Hogard. Just you know, 
see what the shot does. He's an elite defender. He's an elite facilitator, arguably probably the best facilitator um, in the conference. And having the weapons that he does around him is going to help. He can just come off pick and roll and he can throw a lob to car. He can kick out to Walker or Aikens on the perimeter for three kind of unfair uh, next second team. And this is probably the bigger I'm just, I'm just big, really high on him this year. And uh, I don't think he's going to make many preseason teams for others, but that's Coleman Hawkins for me. I am sold on what he can do on both ends of the floor. Most versatile player in the Big Ten, in my opinion. Uh, hopefully the shot isn't terrible. If he can get to like 31, 32% from three, that'd be great. He's going to have to do some more facilitating at the five. I think he can. He can space. He can pick and pop. He can also drive. Like I just, I'm bought in on what he do. he can do. Obviously, he has to put it all together for a full year, and that's the thing that worries me. But talent-wise, like I just I see it popping this year. Last guy for the second or the yeah the last guy for the Big Ten second team for me is Cliff Amore. I've um, already talked about what the elite def- defender he is, second in deep way for me right now. Offense, I'm he might have a little lower usage. I think there's going to be a little bit better guard play and scores on there. So. Hopefully he doesn't have to force as much. We'll maybe make him a little bit more efficient in the post. But more than that, allow him to be more of a true like rim roller, dunker spot guy. Like I don't know how much Rutgers wants to actually post him up this year. So first team, all Big Ten. For me in the fifth spot is Boo Booey. I think we'll talk about it in a second. I think Boo, I think Northwestern takes a step back. Uh, obviously, he, I think he's still good enough to make first team, but... For me, I just I put him last, and he's probably the first one. If there was somebody to make a jump, he'd be the first one off for me, just because I just don't know what Northwestern's going to be with some of the pieces they lost, and and I don't mind their additions. And that's going to be the biggest thing for me. But Ubu is a top, you know, top five, top six player in the conference without a doubt. He puts the team on his back, and he's going to have to this year. I expect maybe even higher usage rate this year. You want to see the efficiency go up, but also he's tasked with so much that it does. I don't think you can knock him as much compared to maybe others. Um, but yeah, Boo Boo is great. I'm just intre- I don't know what I think of Northwestern in general, and that's why he's fifth on the first team. For me, fourth, Jameer Young. Um, I know this one's more un- of an unpopular opinion, but I think Jameer Young's the best point guard in the Big Ten. I think he does more on both ends of the ball specifically. Boo Booey probably does more offensively, but. I like what Jameer Young does defensively. He was one of the candidates for making an all-defense team for me. Um, the shooting obviously wasn't great in non-conference, but Jameer Young shot 37% in Big Ten play last year from three. Not as much of his facilitators as like Walker and Bowie, but um, the scoring ability, I, expe- I honestly expect him to take a little bit of a jump even this year. Like having a full year of Big Ten under his belt should potentially have an even better sidekick in Deshaun Harris-Smith. Julian Reese takes a jump. Uh, I think it's just going to be a good year for him. Third, Tyson Walker, elite shot maker, good defender. And that's that's just that's who Tyson Walker is. Like he's just going to make a ton of threes on really high volume, high percentage. He can create his own shot against literally anybody. Get to his pull up like there's just not many too there's not too many better scores probably in the country. Um just pure like one on one just get to a shot. One of them that maybe is, but I don't know if he he actually is, and he's the guy that's second on this list for me is Terrence Shannon Jr. from Illinois. Uh, yeah, like Terrence Shannon is just electric with the ball. Get him in the open court. Get him downhill. Like he's shown that he can get uh, streaky from three, and then when it's on, it's what do you do against him? Like how do you defend him? 
big bodied at six six, like can be physical, but also has I still think is arguably the fastest player in the Big Ten with the ball in his hands. Like just gets downhill so fast. It's insane. Uh so he's number two. And then probably to nobody's surprise, uh player of the year, Big Ten first team, Zach Eady. Even if he takes a slight step back from last year because he has a little bit yet less usage, Purdue tries to work other guys in. Edie's still going to be the most dominant player in college basketball. Um, like if he takes a step back, maybe it's 18 and 12 or something like that. And that's still without a doubt good enough. I think he's the best, like going to be the most important defender for sure in the conference. Um, and I think the Purdue will have one of the better defenses as well, potentially even like the best or top two, three. Um, yeah, so I don't know what else there is to say other than Zach Eady's dominant. He's going to be, in my opinion, player of the year. Um, I think that's everything. The only other award is coach of the year. I go back and forth on this, um, and maybe this kind of correlates to the Big Ten power rankings. I have Matt Painter winning it. I'm not crazy confident because it's expected for them to be really good this year. Last year, it wasn't as expected. Um, and they win the conference by three games, and he still loses it. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if they kind of give it to him instead. I don't know. It depends, obviously, on what this year does. Two for me is going to be Tom Izzo because I think Michigan State is going to be really, really good. Three is Kevin Willard because I think Maryland takes us another small jump in general. So we're almost to the end. Last thing, I'm just going to power do my preseason kind of power rankings. Um, this is, I would say... My ranking is based on just who I think is most talented and most fit for the regular season. I'm not taking postseason into play or anything like that. Um, so that's just kind of my guidelines for this. For me, I'm going to work bottom to top. And I'm going to kind of separate this into tiers as well. Um, I don't know. Maybe I'll do a weekly kind of power ranking on the show. And, and I'll have the tiers. And basically for my tiers is I at least like would under – I like fully understand an argument if player teams were to be switched within the tiers. So – there's at the bottom for 14 and 13, there's two teams. I have 14th Minnesota, 13th Penn State. I have Penn State over Minnesota because I think they're going to have a more true identity, um, more of a true identity. And they're just going to, like, I don't expect, I think they're less talented than Minnesota, but I think what they can do defensively, and they're going to be a team that full court presses, that traps a ton. Like, I think it's just going to give some Big Ten teams some fits and they sneak out some wins more that way. Minnesota just has to find who they are. They have some talent in Garcia and Payne, Ola Joseph. Um, I like Cameron Christie, the freshman. Like, but they just got to put it all together. I don't trust Ben Johnson as a coach. I think this is probably his last year. So that's why they're 14th. Penn State 13th. The next tier, I have 12. Number 12 is Iowa. Number 11, Nebraska. This is probably, I, I honestly, right for full transparency, right before I did this, I have like almost put Nebraska, excuse me, almost put Nebraska below Iowa. I don't think Iowa's going to be that good. I think they're probably like a seven-win team in the Big Ten. Uh, I just don't know. And But it's it's the one I'm most ready to be wrong about because Fran McCaffrey just does this, right? It's like, who's going to score for this elite offense? And then it's Luca Garza puts up 25 a game. And then the Murray Twins average 20 and, and all that. So I just don't know who that is this year. And I don't, like, I don't trust Sanford as a primary. I don't think Perkins is – I don't trust him well good enough offensively. To be like the number one option, I think he he's the one that provides some defense. That's my other concern is that there's like a really, really bad, like even bad for Iowa standard defense. Ben Cricky has to pop for them to be good. Um, and if they if he does, then they have more of a chance to probably move up and be in that middling tier. 
Levin's Nebraska. I like some of their pieces, but I think the loss of Derek Walker and Sam Griesel is not being talked about enough. What does it look like when Tomonaga is the primary option? If he can still put up 17, 18 points on good efficiency while getting like the primary looks, then I trust them more. Demarcus Lawrence sounds like he's going to be running points. I'm interested to see that. I like Bryce Williams on the wing, but I just think I think that they're not in the next tier because I think there's just a little bit of a talent gap for some of like the the role players in that. Um, the next tier is my biggest one. That is teams ten through seven. Uh, this tier, like really for me, if somebody's had these four teams in a completely different order. I just, I don't think I would care at all because I don't know. This is kind of the tier of like, Hey, there's some talents, but uh, also I don't quite know what's going to happen. So at 10 for me is Rutgers. I think the defense takes like the defense is still going to be top 35, but I don't think it's going to be top 10. Um, the offense should improve. Like I kind of mentioned throughout, but I think the defense does take a jump back um, and, and just, not being able to rely on that, even if the offense is a little bit better, I don't see them taking that jump to the next tier. Number nine is Northwestern. And honestly, it's a pretty similar story as Rutgers. Like, I think the defense takes a little bit of a jump back. I put probably Northwestern nine ahead of Rutgers because I think they have the best player out of those two teams in Boo Booey and the most, the guy that can just create a shot whenever. Um, and that's just, that's why I have them. I just, I don't think the def- I think the defense will be solid, not as good. Uh, Bowie needs some sort of sidekick. Brooks Barnheiser might be the guy. And if he really pops, then maybe they do go on more of a tourney run, but, um, they're nine for me. Eight is Michigan. Uh, and seven is going to seven and eights. I'll just throw it out there. Eight is Michigan. Seven is Indiana. For me, they're this almost the same team. Uh, lots of new pieces, lots of players that are in the front court specifically. How do these teams mesh together? Uh, in terms of Michigan, I like Olivia Nakamwa. I like Doug McDaniel, Terrace Reed. Um, they're just very shallow at the guard room. Llewellyn, I don't think is playing as of yet. He'll come back at some point. And if that's the case, their guards are Doug McDaniel, Namari Burnett, and George Washington III. It's going to be a lot of minutes for those three. Uh, George Washington III is a freshman. Namari Burnett has never played more than 17 minutes a game. Doug McDaniel should take that sophomore leap. Um, I think I just trust a little bit. Is I don't. Uh, I I trust. Do I trust Indiana's guard play more than Michigan's? I don't know. I'm talking this through now, and I don't actually know. Michigan and Indiana are like nearly identical for me. Um, the reason I think I have Indiana ahead is I is I trust. I think Indiana is going to be good defensively. Um, I think I'm more confident out of like Indiana's offense and defense and Michigan's offense and defense. I think Indiana's defense is going to be the best thing out of those four. And that's why they are number, you know, why they're ahead of Michigan at number seven for me. I think whatever the offensive fit with Mbako, Ware, and Renew is, I don't know. Mbako has to be a perimeter shooter. Galloway cannot uh, re- he was like a 45% three-point shooter last year. That can't fall too much, even though he's low volume. Johnson obviously needs to stay healthy. And then it's just going to be a ton of pick and rolls. And now you have like Ware popping and Renew posting up and McBacco spaced, I guess. Um, they're also, Indiana's not a team that's deep at the guard spot. Um, Gabe Cups and CJ Gunn are going to be the guys that are going to be tasked with a lot, I think, off the bench. But they can do it. Um, I just think defensively, the combo of like Ware, Johnson, Galloway on the perimeter, 
uh, where protecting the rim. Like, I think that's just a really, really good defensive trio and should be able to carry them a bit. But like I said, they're that tier of Indiana, Michigan, Northwestern Rutgers. I have no clue. Like that, that's I have it now. That's probably those are the teams I'm probably four least certain on. Uh, next tier is number six is Wisconsin and number five is Ohio State. Wisconsin is interesting because they bring back a ton of guys, a ton of solid players too. Wall struggled and Kral struggled last year. They have to be. They just straight up have to be better. Uh, they're and then they just have they have a lot of guards and. Kentucky, Klesmit, Asijan, and Agent Store, the transfer from St. John's. Like, I like their pieces. I'm just concerned that one, Wisconsin's going to play 25 games that are decided by four points or less. And when that happens, who is their guy? Like, I just don't know who the number one guy is. I don't like Wall as a number one guy. I think he's much better if he's a number two. But then I think I can say, I would say that about most of the players. And so I think the fit is why they're number six for me. But this is a team that I, I'm pretty. I would. I'm confident with them making the tournament. I don't know where they'll be seated. Um, they're just going to be a solid team overall. Grind games out, and you just kind of. They kind of hope that they win more of the close ones than they lose. Five is Ohio State. Obviously, they were not good last year. Uh, five and fifteen in Big Ten. I like their additions in the offseason. Dale Bonner, Evan Mahaffey. They bring in Scotty Middleton for, as a freshman. Um, Tayson Chapman, who. Um, I think could be really good offensively, but the other three specifically Bonner, Mahaffey and uh, Scotty Middleton, like they bring defense. Felix Akpara, I hope starts because I think he'll be a really, really good defender. And so now I think they can at least shore that side up a bit and maybe get to, you know, top 60 or something on defense. And then the offense is going to be good. Jameson battle is going to be a good score. Bruce Thornton obviously can score the ball. Oh, I forgot about Roddy Gale. He's on defense. He's a good defender. Um, wanted him to keep knocking down the three. Zed Key coming off the bench. Like, if he's coming off the bench, if he plays the four, I don't know. Um, but if he comes off the bench, you have 40 minutes of good center play, no matter kind of what you think of Key and, and Akpara. Like, if he's coming off the bench, he's the best probably backup big in the conference and one of the better ones in the country. That's why I have them there. I think they take a big jump. I tr- I think I trust the defense more, and the offense should still be. Next tier is I'm these top four teams I'm super excited for in general. Uh, this tier, it's a two-team tier. Number four is Maryland. Number three is Illinois. I am so excited to watch both of these teams. We'll start with Maryland. I've already kind of already mentioned Jameer Young. Like I think he takes the legit jump as the best point guard in the conference. Um I expect Deshaun Harris Smith to contribute right away. I expect Julian Reese to, you know, contribute. Now Dante Scott's more of like a fourth or fifth option. I think that's good for him. But just having that fifth year there is still solid. The concern with Maryland is depth. Um, who exactly comes off the bench? Does Jonathan Lamott, the freshman, get some? Jamie Kaiser might have to start as a freshman. I do trust him, and I think he'll be solid. Uh, Jordan Geronimo is kind of the only one that's maybe somewhat proven off the bench. Um, but I just think the talent specifically in the top three or four players is going to be so good that, and the defense, the defense is going to be so good. They're another team that presses more and kind of throws this newer style or not newer, a uh, different style in the big 10 that teams are just going to lose. Like they're just, teams just aren't going to be able to handle. Uh, I expect Maryland to be really good. Number three, Illinois, they're pushing into the upper tier. The more and more I think about it and watch, like I am just bought in to what they do. Um, I trust Ty Rogers' points, and when he's at the point, that defensive lineup's going to be insane. Of like Rogers, Shannon, 
uh, Damask, and then it's either like Goody or Garrier, and then uh, Hawkins at Hawkins at the five. That defensive line is going to be so good. Ty Rogers has been aggressive in the exhibitions uh, against smaller guards if they're matched up on him, and he has to do that. He has to get to the rim and then facilitate for others. Shannon's the second best player in the conference, in my opinion. I fully believe in Coleman Hawkins. And then you just have more depth, like Carmen coming off the bench, Goody if he's coming off the bench. Like those are two guys that you definitely trust that are coming off of the bench. Um, you know, Gray Gibbs Lawhorn could potentially. Uh, Dane Danger, I haven't even mentioned him. He might be coming off the bench and being the backup five. So now you can throw him in. Sincere Harris is going to do what he does defensively. I'm just, I'm really bought in on this team. I think they're going to be that third team for sure in the Big Ten. Number two, number one, it's a tier, the final tier, the final two teams for this preseason show. I do have number two is Michigan State, and number one is Purdue. Michigan State is going to be just elite on the perimeter. Um, best perimeter defense in the conference for sure, one of the best in the country. They'll have one of the best backcourts in the country in Walker, Hogard, and Dane um, Akins. They need some big to step up, some big or wing. Malik Hall, they seem to be feeding him in the post in the exhibition against Tennessee some. I was surprised by that. Maybe he gets that going. Carson Cooper's looked good. They just need somebody that can play defense, grab some boards, and finish maybe around the rim a bit out of that, you know, Sissoko, Cooper, Kohler when he gets back. Um, I'm excited for Carr and Booker. I think Booker might take a little bit of time. Carr's going to contribute right away. I, I think Carr might end up being like the sixth man for this team. But having that perimeter trio of Hogard, Walker, Akins is just going to be elite. The only concern is that it is smaller. Um, and the reason I think I have Purdue over Michigan State is just the, the big room. Michigan State has options that could be solid. Purdue is just more proven there. Obviously, Michigan State's more proven on the perimeter. But Zach Eady, um, you know, just going to do what he does. And that's why I have them number one. I think they're going to be arguably the best team in the country. I think that Brain Smith takes a jump. I believe in what Fletcher Lawyer is as a shooter, but even more than that, as somebody that can get to the rim, can help facilitate. The wing spot is going to be the big question. Camden Heidi's looked really, really good for them so far, and I wouldn't be shocked if he eventually honestly starts or is at least the sixth man. Uh, TKR and Edie hasn't worked so far in the exhibitions, but it's worked last year, and I believe in that still. And then, like, Zach Edie is just insane. Like, he's so dominant um, that it doesn't, ultimately matter in the especially in the regular season what he does now i do expect teams to double and triple team him more off ball um just like shade a ton of guys over and what that means is the perimeter guys got to either knock down threes or get to the rim sam the heidi and lance jones have shown that they can do both um heidi's you know super super athletic gillis has been super confident shooting the ball so far and he has to stay confident knock down the three fletch is also a guy that can get to the rim sort of now and he hasn't the shot, I just still believe the shot's coming around. And then Braden Smith, I am so excited to see the next jump for him. He looks like he's going to be hunting his shot right away in games, and that is going to be huge because then that's going to open up passing lanes later in the game. Painter last year was just like, hey, Braden, you have to be aggressive. Like You cannot be a pass-first guy all the time. Sometimes you have to get your shot. Uh, and I think Braden took that to heart. I think Braden took some of the offseason disrespect to heart too, and I think he's going to show that he's a top 10, 15 player in this conference. With that, that's why I think Purdue ends up, or they're number one for my preseason power rankings. And that kind of wraps it up here. Um, you know, I appreciate everybody tuning in. If you made it this far, you can follow me on Twitter at JoeJacksonCBB. 
if you are listening, you know, you're listening on audio um, or an Apple, Google and Spotify podcast, like give a five star review, leave some comments. Just really that just all really helps me out and be able to put out more of this content. Subscribe to my YouTube at Feed the Post. Um, I'm going to have film breakdown stuff in there. I'm going to have player breakdowns. I'm going to have sets, breaks, set breaks down, set breakdowns in there. Um, yeah, definitely go check that out. This podcast might be up there. I don't quite know what I want to do with it yet. Um, but I know for sure there's going to be stuff like that coming out hopefully every week. So appreciate everybody tuning in and we'll catch you in the next one.